0: Greetings, Troubled Listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I'm Renee Coman, sitting in my safe house on the line with my co-host, the original Troubled Man for Troubled Times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny.
1: Hey, man. What's going on with you?
0: Oh, you know, hanging in there. Yeah. How was your, uh, how was your Christmas?
1: Oh, mine was better than yours, I think. I don't know. Do you have a good Christmas?
0: Uh, well, it was, yeah. it was pretty quiet, you know. My uh, my parents usually we'd we'd have to go over to uh, to to the whole family gathering um, with all the uh, all the Christians in the family, but uh, this year I guess they my the uh, cooler heads prevailed, or my parents decided, well, it's really not safe to do that, so we just they uh, basically.
1: Took- well, I I heard they had a big gathering; they just didn't want the Jews over.
0: Okay, that well that, that may be, man, <laughs> which, which actually is is fine with us, but uh, you know it's right, um, yeah, you know.
1: But you had a good old old weekend. You okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh,
0: making it through, making it through.
1: Good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Because I realized after the last show, Renee, that you're no Daisy. <laughs> you're no Daisy. Okay. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure. But uh, I don't remember – who was our last guest? What was his name? Uh, Corey Corey Lede.
0: in fact. Corey
1: Lede. Yes. Yes. Corey Lede. um, Yes, he was was, uh, charming. Yeah, he was a good guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was married to uh, Rosie Lede, right?
0: No, that's his cousin. Oh, cousin.
1: Well, you never know about that part of the woods. You never know.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, we did ask him, and he he said, yes, that was his cousin, in fact. Yeah. And she's yeah.
1: doing okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. He said she was doing well and she had been doing some recording and uh, thought he, she might be uh, having a release co- new record coming out this next year.
1: Oh, I'm glad for her.
0: Well, you know, okay. we, we did get some very sad news, Manny, and I think this might be a fellow. Did you know uh, George Reinecke, George the Max, the legendary New Orleans punk icon? And the, the way you might know him is I know he spent some time out in, in L.A., uh, you know, back in, 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 your old, uh, you know, the days when you were still out there and, you know, he was, uh, crossing paths with Carlo Nucio out there at Raji's. And did, did you know this fellow? He was a guitar player. He had like, uh, one hand that was kind of smaller than the other. And,
1: uh, well, that is that from playing guitar or from masturbating? I don't know what no, that no, is. Why, why do you even bring that up? What is this hand is smaller than the other?
0: Well, um, well, it was it was kind of a. I mean, it was a. He was it was a, a birth defect that he was born. Oh, uh,
1: okay. The name co- sounds kind of familiar. He was a guitar player.
0: Right, he played in the Panther Burns. He played uh, with Brent in this band. That's how I first met Brent. Was uh, this guy George Reinecke, George the Max, as he was known in the punk rock days? Oh
1: he, yes, I do. I kind of remember him. He uh, Carlos yeah. him Money, doesn't he?
0: Uh, probably, or, or George, they might owe each other money. might've canceled right. each other out, you know, cause, right. uh, but, but George took, a, you know, he, George had, had kind of seemed like he was on his last legs for so long that you just started to assume, well, like Keith Richards, he will ultimately outlast all of us. Right. And out of nowhere, uh, last week he, uh, I guess broke a hip. And went into the hospital and wound up coming down with pneumonia, and uh, and he went quickly. So we, we lost George. It was a uh, it was a shock, man. He was he was a so really- how do you
1: get pneumonia from breaking a hip?
0: Well, you know they, they have to put you under to uh, do to do surgery to repair the hip, and you know he was in kind of compromised health for a long time before that, and I guess just the general anesthesia. You know you start collecting fluid in your lungs it's uh you know you don't have the strength to clear it and so, most- so
1: basically the surgeons in the hospital aren't uh they they don't have to do it they just say oh uh, they, don't, they have nothing to say about that i mean they, they're, they're, they're they get off scot-free this guy breaks a hip which is a bone and then all of a sudden he dies
2: yeah, so
1: yeah, he
0: he he wasn't a hundred percent before the hip break. So you know, um, how old was he? Uh, he was just a couple of years older than us. You know, it's funny. I I I was thinking back. The first time I ever ran across George, it was in this uh, this club, Jed's right there. You ran him Maple over. Leaf.
1: You ran him first over. I wonder oh, he broke the hip. You ran him over.
0: Sure, sure, sure. No, back when I was fifteen, somebody pointed him out and they said. They pointed uh, across the club and said, that's George the Max. And I looked at him and he had like a black leather jacket on, big, tall, uh, uh, gigantic uh, rockabilly hairdo. And he looked so intimidating. I thought, man, that guy's got to be like 25 or something. He's got to be at least uh, like 10 years older than me. Well, so years later, we wind up becoming friends. We play in a whole bunch of different bands together. It turns out George is like one or two years older than me, you know? So he was, he was maybe only 16 or 17 at that time I first saw him. But somehow, he, uh, even before he was playing music, he was kind of a larger-than-life uh, figure. He's in the New not New older than you scene. anymore,
1: Renee. He's not older well, than you anymore.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'll be catching up to him at this point. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, um, so that was, that was sad.
1: Yeah, no, I don't, I, I, maybe our, our paths, you know, you know cross each other, I don't know, I don't remember these people, I mean, sure, basically sure. I, I meet people, uh, and if they interest me, I talk to them, if they don't, I move on to the next person, but maybe I did, maybe uh, I knew him because his one arm was shorter than the other, I don't know, I don't know
0: yeah it it just seemed like uh you guys might have crossed paths out there in la but you know it was a long time ago it's hard to a long time ago
1: i don't know yes yes but uh yeah it's uh well i'm sad to hear that uh mr meineke left uh but uh you know it is what it is uh now we can make fun of him now we can make fun uh, of
0: him because he's dead you know know? oh sure okay (laughs) he was alive
1: we couldn't make fun of him you know
0: you uh, know, he had a pretty good sense of humor, you know, yeah, so, okay.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Was he living no. here, Renee? When he um, died?
0: Yeah, yeah, he was, he was li- living right there on, uh, on, uh, Lita court, you know, right off of, uh, between Esplanade and the, and the, uh, fairgrounds, right in your neck of the woods there, Manny. Uh, oh,
2: fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I name mean, like George the Max, I mean, that's, that's. Yeah, he could be. He could have been younger than you, and he still would have seemed larger than life.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh. Hey, we'll, we'll get some someday. We'll get into all the details of of George the Max. You know, he was an incredible hustler. You know, George, he had all these these scams. He could not scams, but all these uh, these kind of um, deals he could pull. He'd he'd scour the newspaper uh, for uh, musical instrument sales. This is before the internet. You know, he'd, he'd look in the classifieds and see a guitar or, or a bass that somebody he knew might be interested in and then he'd call him up on the phone and go hey man i uh i found a an instrument you might be interested in and get you into it and and then he'd uh, you know or he'd find it at a pawn shop and do the same thing call you up and basically broker the deal but then say well you know give me a finder's fee <laughs> wow <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yes, uh, George the Max, uh, George Ronicky, um, will never be another. Okay. Moving on. Uh, Manny. So are you, are you off this week or, uh, are you No, um,
1: I I'm working, i work worked today. Okay. I work tomorrow. I have uh Thursday and Friday off, um, uh, because of the holiday weekend. But, uh, you know, looking back on this year, mm-hmm. I, uh, I know I wanted to talk about a few things that we didn't get to talk about because this show won't air until the new year, right? Right. Right. Um, but there was a few things that I wanted to talk about I didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Um, okay. Did you know that, um, uh, I guess, right after um, uh, our fearful leader lost the election, he decided that he was going to kill people, execute, go ahead with executions that have been like, mm. you know, waiting you know, to happen. And he said, go ahead and execute these people. And he executed yes. a few people and he pardoned lots of people, but there was, there was, I don't know if you saw this, but there was one execution that was set uh, for the first woman to be executed mm-hmm. in like 60 years or 65 right. years. And, um, and uh, her name was uh, Lisa Montgomery, okay. from uh, somewhere in uh, Missouri, or Misery. Um, and she, I, I looked her up, and I said, "Oh, wow! They're going to execute the first woman." Um, and her name was Lisa Montgomery, and the crime she did was brutal. It was yeah. back in 1981. She stuck into this woman's apartment who was pregnant, eight and a half months pregnant, mm. and she strangled her to death. Mm. She strangled this victim to death. She was only like a 23-year-old girl, and then she cut open her stomach and got the baby out. Oh, jeez. She Whoa. took the baby out, and after you know strangling this poor woman, she cut up the stomach, pulled the eight-and-a-half-month-old baby out, and kidnapped it. Basically, she took it for her own.
0: Holy moly! And, yeah, and uh, it's
1: back in 1981. Um, but she was caught. Yeah. She was caught and uh, sent to prison, and sent to be executed. Because, but of course, you know they don't execute many people here in this country. Um, but uh, I found out later that the baby that she kidnapped, was sent to foster care and all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. was raised by many different people. And that baby today is the pop artist Pitbull. I did not know that. Wow, really? um, Yeah, I did not know that. And I don't know much about Pitbull, but I hear he's pretty big. Um, Oh, yeah, he's
0: very popular. Mr. International, I think. He's a big Miami artist.
1: Well, he was taken from the stomach of his dead mother.
0: No kidding, man. That's yeah. I've never heard that. What a what a legendary beginning. Holy moly. He's yeah. like Moses or something.
1: Right. But then I heard then I heard just a week ago that this this Lisa Montgomery got a stay of execution. Okay. Did you hear this? She got a stay of execution. And the reason why she got a stay of execution cuz Everything going on in our world today and stuff like that. But with the COVID and everything, um, uh, all the restaurants in that county where she is is closed, so she couldn't get a last meal. So <laughs> that, that's why she's still alive today.
0: Okay, well, there is a silver lining to, to this. You know, you just got to look hard enough, I guess.
1: Right. You know, everyone's granted a, one last meal. But since right. wherever, she, wherever she is in Missouri, there's no restaurants open, so she can't get one. So she's still alive to this day.
0: Okay. And,
1: All right. And well, she, and she's rocking out to Pitbull.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she had a good eye for talent. She could, uh, she knew that kid <laughs> well, was going to go, go places.
1: Well, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's good times.
0: <laughs>
1: um, anyway, uh, yeah. And, and speaking of the COVID now, you know, we, we speak, we've spoken about this since we've been on this lockdown or whatever you want to call it. Sure. And now the, the vaccine is out, you know, we have this vaccine
0: right? and
1: they're slowly giving it out and stuff. And I'm watching the news, which I do every night at five 30. I watch the news and local mm-hmm. network news and given all this COVID here locally and internationally and all over the nation and I'm thinking to myself, they're giving this vaccine, and I'm watching the footage, and the the people, the first people who are getting it, are people who are like, you know, 98 years old. What the hell they need the vaccine for? They're going to die in a couple months anyway. Why are they oh, wasting wow. the vaccine on these people? You know? Well,
0: wow. it's their yeah, they're. Trying to identify a vulnerable populations, so they went first with the, uh, the the doctors and nurses, first responder types, and then uh, I guess the second in line is uh, you know the elderly community.
1: Yeah, but if you I know? was ninety, if I was ninety six, ninety eight years old, I'd be like, I don't want this shot. Give it to someone who needs it, a younger person, or stuff like that,
0: like somebody in their eighties. Yeah, well, yeah, and at the least in their person, 80s, like somebody, you know, yeah early eighties
1: or seventies or something. I'm ninety eight years old. I can, I don't even know what you're doing to me. You know, I'm,
0: yeah. I, I'm well, like, it may be a lot of that, Manny. Where you know they're like, uh, it's just one more uh, poke and prod in a, a long line yeah, of them. You know, they're you know, they're it's it's not their decision. They're just uh, it's it's being done to them.
1: Yeah, it's just like I mean, they're drooling. They're, they they they're not. You know, oh, they're watching yeah. reruns of Andy Griffith that they've sure. seen Those bad. times. You know, uh, they I mean, yeah, it, you know, why do they need the shot? I mean, why is it – why do they rush to the, get these people the shot, which I don't understand? This is a thing that keeps me up at night, Renee.
0: This, sure, public policy, right. Yeah, you know. It, yeah, it just, well, you know. Speaking of public policy, mm-hmm. uh, yes.
1: uh, I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, you know, the city's changing. Sure. Um and uh, they announced a, a couple weeks ago or maybe a month ago that, you know, the Harrah's Casino downtown here in the city will no longer be Harrah's in, in a year or so. Really? Caesar, Caesar's Palace has taken it over.
0: Okay. How Caesar's do you feel palace. about that?
1: I love it. Caesar's is the creme la creme of all casinos, if you ask me. You ever go to okay. Vegas, you hang out at Caesar's. I mean, you know, it's like right. the old line, when you die at the palace, you die at the palace. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, but also uh, in, in, to coordinate with Harris to become Caesars, the Hard Rock Hotel mm-hmm. um, is to become a museum. Oh. Did you hear this? No, no. It's going to become the Toilet Paper Museum. Really? Toilet papers, the history of toilet paper will be where the Hard Rock stands now. Huh. And uh, and I'm excited about it because I read an exclusive article about it. They're going to have toilet the, the toilet paper from the beginning. You know, wh- wh- it was your hand, maybe a rock, maybe a leaf, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And they're going to have like uh, toilet papers from all over the world, um, famous used toilet paper, like from big. People in history, from uh, you oh, know who, Abraham, who they Lincoln. had
0: all this stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah, Abraham Lincoln to Frank Sinatra to uh, Joey Bishop to John Lennon's toilet paper. Wow, They're gonna God, have this is... okay. all this toilet paper, and I'm excited. I'm gonna be the first in line. Okay, <laughs> With, uh, when, when's I...
0: the projected opening uh, date of that? Do you any idea?
1: Uh, well, the Caesars thing is happening, I think, in 2022. This might not happen till like maybe a year later, you
0: know, maybe. Oh, okay. A
1: year okay. Um, but I'm excited about it cuz uh, I'm a big fan of toilet paper always have been.
0: Okay. You know? All right. And well,
1: I think they're also going to have like a little uh wing like a a little wing uh 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 diapers of the world. That okay. Kind of stuff, you know. So, I'm excited. And what's going on with you?
0: Oh, you know, just just really uh that's uh, that's about it. I think we've we've covered everything. It's it's uh, it, it's it's uh, quiet desperation, Manny. It's, I'm trying to trying to not freak the fuck out here. Uh, so anyway, I'm I'm happy to be here with you and, and having a cocktail, Manny.
1: Well, um, you know, the, uh, we're ha- celebrating the new year in a couple of nights, right? And uh, there was big controversy with the Dick Clark New Orleans ver- celebration. You know, you yes. heard about that. Uh, where they had that uh, that Christian freak who was supposed to play.
0: Daigle uh, or something?
1: Daigle or something like that, yeah. (laughs) Laura Uh,
0: Daigle, something like that, yeah.
1: And uh, our our mayor Mm
0: -hmm.
1: said, uh, why is she representing us? She's a a spreader. She's a spreader because of the whole controversy that happened um, a couple months ago where she came down, or she was invited to come down and speak in front of all those Jesus freaks. And, right, the uh, big
0: mass Christian protest yeah, of uh, yeah. several hundred uh, um, people with no masks. Yes, with a
1: mask and stuff. So they substituted. Uh, I guess uh, Latoya and the city got a deal with Dick Clark Productions for the New Year's Eve cross country extravaganza, and they substituted our very own uh, big Frida. Frida, what's her name? Big Frida. Big, big Frida. Big, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah big New Freedia. Orleans
0: icon. Yes, that's exciting I, news.
1: I saw that news a couple of days ago, and I thought to myself, "Well, that's great. That's really great. It's going to be one fucking long Juan Lafontá commercial." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: it's, it's infectious, man. That Juan Lafontá commercial—I tell you yeah. what, man—you can't get it out of your head. If you see it one right. time, it'll, it'll haunt your right. dreams.
1: Exactly. So uh, I don't know if the nation knows about it. You can probably YouTube Juan Lafontá Big freedia commercial, and you'll see what we're talking about. How it's one line over and over and over again. It's like the Beatles' oh, yes. number nine song. You
0: know? <laughs> Revolutionized uh, yeah. uh, not just uh, attorney's ads, but advertising overall.
1: Yeah. But I also thought to myself, because we're down in this lockdown and, for bars and restaurants and stuff, so uh, New Year's Eve is at midnight. I mean, midnight is when you celebrate the new year, but mm-hmm. apparently bars close at 11. So okay. how, is that,
0: how is that going
1: to work for people who want to go out?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is anybody going out to a bar in New Orleans? Have, have, have you?
1: No, no, no,
0: no. I haven't. No, gone I haven't to been part. to a bar in New Orleans since we, since we, uh, we did that one episode from the, uh, from the Kingpin about five months ago, six months ago.
1: But I mean, there are still rules out there where people can go out and bars can be open. And I guarantee you, New New Year's Eve, Bourbon Street's going to be packed.
0: It's going to be packed. That's not going to be good, man.
1: Hundreds of hundreds. But then another thing that came up, you know, this whole phase three and a half or 3.2, they said the bars could be open to 11, um, and then you have to get out. But then I heard the story. I don't know if you saw this, but a bar that was closed at 11 o'clock, a man was shot at this bar. At one a.m., so so someone's not
2: following the rules.
0: Sure. Well, that's not 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 so surprising, really.
2: And he wasn't breaking and entering. I, I don't know. Maybe that
1: Russ. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't understand what last call meant. Yeah,
0: I he, don't know. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. You know, exactly. You you can't fix stupid, but you can laugh at it, which is the way I look like at it. Right?
0: right on. Yeah. Right on. Anyway.
1: Anyway, yes. one more thing, Renee, and then we're going to introduce our guest because he's exciting to me, and I'm excited yes. to talk to him. I'm excited about <laughs> his His wife is, uh, uh, is exciting to me too. She's been a past guest. And, yes. uh, but this whole thing that happened on Christmas morning in Nashville. Right. The big bombing in Nashville. Right. Yeah, that was uh, crazy going nuts kind of stuff. Uh, I got really interested in it Because this year we didn't uh, My family, we didn't do a tree We didn't do decorations We didn't do mm-hmm. anything except sleep late Sleep late And uh, my daughter got her gifts you know. Okay, and, uh, that's nice And she, of course, Renee, as always My wife and child gave me the most beautiful gift Like I, they do every year
2: mm-hmm. And I
1: think you know what it is Sure they, they, they give me a check for $500 each And they say, sign it uh-huh. you know, That's what they do <laughs> So.
0: Uh, holiday traditions yes
1: yeah continue continue it's
2: um, so sweet
1: very sweet yeah you know um but anyway uh i thought i after seeing this after the first 24 hours of cu- watching this on the, on the on the cnn and stuff like that uh and then hearing and seeing the live video of the explosion and the audio, which was very, very eerie. I don't know if you heard the audio. Did you hear the audio?
0: Um, I did not.
1: Oh, but do you know about it?
0: Well, there was an announcement uh, that there was going to be an explosion, and then there was a song that played or something. Yeah,
1: this guy was like apparently an IT guy, so he basically recorded in some weird kind of female voice, like an hmm. uh, like operator-type voice, a phone operator-type voice is uh, evacuate now, because there's going to be an explosion, so he basically gave everyone fair warning, okay that, uh, get out of here, get out of here right now, and then, as the days have gone by, I found out about this guy he uh, uh, He lived nearby, and he had this Winnebago and bef- he got cancer, and uh, he you know gave the fair warning. he gave his house to some woman in California, I saw he that. gave all his he gave his possessions to people that he knew, and, uh, and then he went downtown Nashville and uh, uh, blew up. And- uh- hmm. You know, and so I guess you could say he was a a nice kind of terrorist. You know, he gave (laughs) him a fair warning. Yeah,
0: (laughs) with the fair warning and everything, right? Yeah, (laughs) sure. sure. Because usually
1: terrorists, they don't don't give a fuck. They're going to kill women and children and and not give you any kind of warning. And this guy, and it looked like his Winnebago was well-kept and stuff like that. So um, anyway, it's –
0: just wanted to go out with a bang, yeah. Yeah, right.
1: go, go. and it, it's a good end of the year story, if you ask.
0: Me. Okay, right on. Yeah. All right, yeah, it's well timed. Yeah, yeah, was, uh, everyone was uh, was at rest, and uh, yeah, he he got to be the the lead story.
1: Yeah, he did it at six in the morning, where there's not going to be that many people out, and right. you know, none, of the, none of the places are going to be open. But I was upset that the uh, the Hooters down there was destroyed. So, oh uh, man, oh well you know, Nashville. But it was funny, too, because um, some of the footage I saw from that blast area, one of the a- intersections there in Nashville uh, where the explosion went off, and this is kind of weird, kind of an oxymoron. Or I don't know what you call it, but one of the intersections where a lot of damage was was on Church Street and Gay Street, Church and Gay Street intersection. That's okay. where the bomb, one of the bombs went off. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not that there's anything wrong with
0: it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That might sure, be the sure. only
2: place where those uh, two words might intersect.
0: Right. I don't I don't think you're right about that. I don't thought no, no I think there's plenty of intersections. Don't don't you worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, them, I'm
2: glad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The church is changing. Um, Yes, it well, is.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, geez, this is the longest we've ever had, be- uh, longest intro we've ever had before we introduce our guest. We should get to him here, don't you think? Okay. Okay. So uh, so our guest, we're excited to have him on. He's a Louisiana native. Uh, he's a drummer, percussionist, uh, songwriter, producer. Uh, he plays with, uh, he's played in a whole bunch of different bands, currently plays with the Cowsills, and Susan Cowsill was... Spent many years in the continental drifters anyway without further ado mr russ broussard welcome russ
2: thank you renee thank you manny hey russ sorry it
1: so, sorry it took so long but i just had to get a laugh off
2: no oh, worries Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... yeah. i could have kept going i could listen all night <laughs> uh, right on yeah
0: now so russ are you're from are you from opelousas
2: yes Okay, because
0: we had Corey Lede on last week, and we were g- going through the uh, the long list of small towns in the Lafayette area, and Opelousas did come up, but uh, there sure were a lot of them.
2: Yeah, sure. Opelousas, uh, home of Clifton Chenier. Yes, um, Clifton
0: came up. Now, Now, yeah. so... Now, do you know the Pavi's? That was a former guest, Nicole Pavi. Her family comes from Opelousa, so That's kind of a yeah. storied. You know the Pavi family.
2: Yeah, yeah, some of them.
0: Okay, right on. Um, and
2: Francis Pavi, the artist in Lafayette.
0: Right, that's um, that's a cousin of hers. That was yeah uh, uh, yeah. No,
2: I knew him best actually. Okay.
0: Now, now your family's been there a long time. How how far back do the Broussards go in in this area?
2: <laughs> from um, well I've traced the Broussard the Broussard family tree goes back to uh, the 700s oh really? <laughs> that, <laughs> that, no, the, that really. yeah so um, yeah, deported from Nova Scotia um, and so the two Broussard brothers they were I think of royal descent so they were sort of like the mayors or okay. uh, had the most clout or um, bravado.
1: Why were they deported?
2: Why were they deported? The English yeah. raided uh, Nova Scotia, um, which, uh, Just
0: along with the rest of the Acadians. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't was was
2: Nova. Yeah, it wasn't Nova Scotia. It was Acadia. It was called Acadia. This region. Which is now like Newfoundland and um, New Brunswick, Nova yeah, 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 right, New right, Brunswick, Nova Scotia, yeah,
0: yeah. The general uh, Cajun uh, expulsion. That's so you, yeah. you, you, your family arrives in in uh, yeah. South Louisiana.
2: So these two brothers, Brucelet and Joseph Broussard. One of them has like seventeen kids, and um, so he is my, you know, he is. I'm a descendant of his. Okay. And so he, apparently, you know, his history is pretty um, colorful. Uh, same woman birthed all the kids. So he okay. may have 50 kids as far as, you know.
0: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So moving forward, just to establish, uh, uh, we don't want to go into all that. Yeah, history yeah, yeah. Get, get to your history here. Um, so so you, your family's been there forever. Uh, you, you grow up in that milieu. How do you Get interested in playing music. <laughs>
2: um, my grandmother bought me my first drum set when I was two, uh, and she says, "You know, in the in the crib, I would play this toy drum." And she swears I would play it as if I had experience. So she got me my huh. first drum kit when I was two. So ever since then, I've had uh, drum drums of some sort. Um, until Katrina, which was the only, you know, I spent two weeks without any drums. (laughs) They were all destroyed. (laughs) But but yeah, so it started early and um, is wasn't like a, you know, a hotbed of musicians. So I couldn't wait to get out. Uh, We would come to New Orleans often, at least once a month. And I would just live for, that next weekend that we, we would come here, my mom's best friends, some of their best friends lived here. And then eventually my mom and dad got an apartment, like a little slave quarter on Toulouse Street down on the quarter, right next to uh, Harry Connick's Club, Harry Connick Seniors.
0: Right, right, um, right.
2: Which is now one I jacks.
0: Right. It was, that was Maxwell's club, but yeah, Harry yeah. Sr. was was playing there. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Maxwell's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Better memory than me. But, um, it came up on the show a couple of weeks ago. So, so, so you would, you would uh, come on the weekends and, and hear bands in New Orleans play. Well, when did you first get to, to start playing music, uh, you know, yourself in, in, in Opelousas or Lafayette or wherever that was going on?
2: Yeah, I talked my best friend into getting a bass so we could play together. Uh, And that was probably when I was about 12. I got my first real drum set when I was um, nine. I still have those drums. I still play with them. You've played, you know, that's the white Marine Pearl Ludwigs that I have,
0: Renee. Nice, man. That's that's a a testament that you've been able to hang on. Man, I wish I had uh, some of those instruments that I had at that age.
2: It's partial. I mean, the snare drum got stolen. The floor tom got destroyed in Katrina. Um, uh, but And you I, sold the rest for crack? <laughs> exactly. It, 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 my teens were rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so who's this best friend that you
1: convinced to buy a bass? Robbie Tevault. Okay. Now, he's he someone we should know about nowadays, or is he just a friend from the past who never really – Got into music or anything?
2: Um, no, he played with, for years with Johnny Jay and the Hitmen. Oh, okay. Like sure. Cyposa and drums. Um,
1: okay, Johnny yeah. Jay is my neighbor. He lives down the street from me. Oh. Yeah, and he never picks up his dog shit, let me tell you that.
0: Uh, we'll have to get him on the, on the podcast, Manny, and we can uh, – we well, The funny thing before. is he
1: doesn't have a dog. So <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> maybe it's not his. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I have to scream at somebody. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I bet y'all are great neighbors. <laughs> yeah. he's a good guy. He's a good guy.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So you start playing with with your friend, but when do you make the leap to uh, to playing professionally?
2: Go, I, um. I want to say when I was 14, 13 okay. or 14. Um, I remember I had to get a ride. And, and who was that with? Um, it was Robbie and I, and a guitarist guy. I, I wish I could remember his name. Um, cause he was really good. Mm-hmm. Pitbull. It, it was pitbull. Pitbull. <laughs> yeah, go. it's all coming full circle. I don't know. Some, some, you know, a teenager's birthday party or something. I think we made $20 a piece. Um, okay. So it was one of those. And then um, I got in a cover band when I was 16. Um, sure. And it just got going from there. And when I was 17, I, I got accepted into the North Carolina School of the Arts to study classical percussion.
0: Oh, okay. And you? Did so, you? Did uh, how long did you spend there?
2: Two years. and. Uh-huh. Did some okay. professional gigs with the symphony there. You know, whenever they would have uh, a symphony that called for a lot of percussionists beyond with the, you know, with the local symphony had they would pull from our school, right. Um, so I get to do that. Cymbals was was my favorite instrument to play in the orchestra.
1: What part of North Carolina is that school?
2: Winston Salem.
1: It's in Winston. Okay, yeah. cool all
2: right it's now part of the unc i think um but yeah it was a good school it was uh, you could go from seventh grade all the way through getting your master's
1: were you forced to smoke cigarettes everywhere you went
2: <laughs> no but we we did quite a bit of mushrooms was the thing <laughs> we are we right. mushrooms like smoking cigarettes
1: <laughs> well oh. i don't know well, i mean explains you, it you guys are musicians you've toured all your lives i, I was in a, a band for a while i toured around the country a few times but i'll never forget being in north carolina and this was like Early '90s when there were smoking sections and non-smoking sections and stuff like that, right. and the non-smoking section was one table. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> At this restaurant we went to, the restaurant was smoking. Yeah, I just found that a little funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta love North Carolina. Yeah. Um, so, so after a couple of years, you've had enough of that and you, uh, you come back to Louisiana and you, you, uh, you start playing with, uh, who, Terrence Simeon or what, what's, what's first-
2: eventually I was, after school of the arts. I was, I got accepted into New England conservatory in Boston. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and, uh, but I was torn about either going to New England and studying under, uh, who knows a grad student instead of Vic Firth because Vic Firth was the the main teacher at New England Conservatory or going to UMass, which had Andrew Cerrone, the snare drummer from Boston Philharmonic as well as Max Roach. Sure. And, um, but I was kind of torn and I had a lesson with Max Roach that summer and I realized, well, Mm if I can just have lessons with who I want to study with, why do I want to go back to school? I've been looking forward to getting out of school since I was probably in second grade. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't go to either of the schools. Um, and then haphazardly discovered uh, bike racing in central park and mm-hmm. won the bike, okay. bike race and then fell in love with it and did that. Um, won like my first, Thirteen races, really. And kind of I, you know, what, what kind of bicycle
1: are we talking? Like Tour de France type bicycle? Yeah, so exactly.
2: Like, road race, yeah. road racing. What so I did that
1: it? nationally. We were you encouraged by the movie Breaking Away? Oh yeah, man! <laughs>
2: totally. <laughs> <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> Guilty. One of my one of my favorite movies from the eighties. If you ask me, I think it's a fabulous film. Oh, it right? is a good yeah. movie. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, Kelly, yeah, Kelly Leak from the Bad News Bears was in That's it. That's right. <laughs> so you were a cyclist. Did you do like any like hard? I mean, you won races. Did you go to France? Did you go to Europe? Or never you- went to Europe. I get burned out before. You didn't. You, you never went professional, or is that what you're saying?
2: I turned pro, and then um, three weeks later, I was out. Uh, you started smoking uh, yeah, again? Is that what happened? Yeah, but I hadn't won in over a year, and I was pretty disheartened. I thought, well, maybe I just need new inspiration. I'll get a pro contract um, sent off for my license, and um, you know, and then the week before my first pro am race, I uh, crashed in a training race. Oh, um, and had amnesia and the whole thing. crash going down a mountain in outside oh. of Estes park Colorado holy moly and um but you know the, the that was that was the that's the moment that I needed i I, I was kind of going through the motions for a little while I was burnout I don't know how anyone does that as a career. you really gotta love the sport because you have no life uh otherwise, and um now, th- the whole time I was racing, I was traveling around with my drums and hooking up with musicians here and there, but rarely playing other than like Christmas parties with cover bands. And um, so uh, at that point, uh, I was like, uh, I need a, I need a change. Once I recovered and um, started pursuing music, and I thought I need to move to do that. Now, I'd already moved. Five or six times, you know, Boston, back to North Carolina, Colorado, um, New York, and then moved to San Francisco to pursue wow. music. Well, I, why? Because my, one of my friends from School of the Arts called and said they were like, they need a roommate. Well, I'm, why don't I be that guy? And I said, sure. So I jumped in the car and left.
0: <laughs> now, how, how old were you at this time, Russ?
2: Probably like. Let me think, what year was this? Um, 84, to 85. It's probably 87, 88. Um, okay. I was born in,
1: born in 65. Yeah, San Francisco's had a good scene going on around then, if I remember correctly.
0: So you are, you're still in your early 20s? Yeah,
2: like 23, probably. Okay. Um, the day after I got there, I went down to see Queen Ida. Because I knew a bunch of her relatives and friends, so I needed to say hi. Sat in with the band and got hired that night, <laughs> and so wow. I moved all the way out there to play in a Zydeco band, which is, you know, it's the West Coast version of Zydeco, um, which uh-huh. is more has a country vibe to it. You know, that's how okay. the the musicians relate. I don't know, you know, the guitarists don't get the New Orleans thing or the, the Lafayette thing. Um, and the bassist plays it, you know, on, on the one and the three kind of a thing, like, like a two step, you know? Right. But, but, um, so I did that and I was, I was also gotten a punk band playing rubboard, which is pretty fun. Okay. Um, and then I played in this other like three piece power pop band out in San Francisco. And then eventually I was like, man, uh, the majority of the work I was getting and paying work anyway, was with the Zydeco with Al Rapone, and with Queen Ida. And so I was like, well, if I'm going to, you know, play Zydeca music, I may as well move back home and play with, you know, <laughs> the right. real guys. The top yeah. people. Yeah. The style Zydeco I, I prefer. And right. moved back right. home and hooked up with Terrence around that time.
0: Nice, nice. Well, um, Manny, I'm looking at my drink, and, and uh, it's, it seems like a, a good good time to take a little break here, and then we can get back and get into the whole musical part of uh, Russ's career. What do you think?
1: Yeah, okay. Oh, as the nation knows, to so go get a libation, we'll be right back. Isn't this
3: a perfect day? Everybody let me change lanes. Smell the sugar in the air My head is spinning and I hear the music Over every sweet night And all my friends are dancing in the street We love to talk about it, think about it It's the real thing
0: We're back, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Komen, uh, back with our guest, Russ Broussard. Now, Manny, uh, why don't you tell the Trouble Nation about this terrific uh, product that we're associated with?
1: Yes, uh, I think they know about it. But for the newcomers of the nation, it's called the Velo Bar V E L O B A R Velo Bar. And mm. it's a, it's, this is a great product, Renee. It tastes oh, yeah. great. And the best thing about it is it has 25 milligrams of CBD per bar. Perfect dose to take the edge off, whatever you're dealing with right now. And we're dealing with a lot of shit. It's a healthy protein bar that'll fill you up and it'll calm you down. And who doesn't need stress relief right now? The whole goddamn world's freaking out. And it's the end of the year. We don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. You no, know, we don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen. From minute to
0: minute at this From minute minute,
1: you know, <laughs> I, I, I've, uh, I, I wake up screaming twice a night as, as opposed to just once a night, um, <laughs> you know. But this is a great product, people. It's a plant-based protein from healthy superfood ingredients like pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, and chia seeds. It's a great bre- breakfast bar, and I like to eat it after, a, like, a, a working out in the yard. You know, mowing the lawn and mm-hmm. you know, and, and burning the trees in my backyard. I, I yeah. love, I love it after that. After but a right now, fire. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, and I, I love it, and it comes in two great flavors right now. And I think they're gonna they're gonna branch out to more stuff, but that's all in the future. But the two great flavors is a dark chocolate, and a, and the other one's a peanut butter. And they mm-hmm. taste fucking great, and I love. Who doesn't love chocolate and peanut butter? You know, no, everybody. Uh, I does. Love uh, sure. Everybody does. Uh, so right now, though, Renee, if you go to VeloBarCBD.com mm-hmm. and make an order and use the Troubled Men One Five promo code, you'll get fifteen percent off your order and free shipping.
3: Wow, fifteen percent
1: off your order and free shipping, and it, it's fabulous. And you know, it's uh, it's not too late to give someone a holiday gift of some treat like this, sure. you know, something, something that will calm them down because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who need uh, some stress relief. You know, the holidays are huge. There's a lot of people. That I, what I notice also, there's a lot of people who really, really love going all out for the holidays with the decorations and, and dressing with the ugly sweaters and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And uh, to me, it's all bullshit, stupid, if you ask me. You know, <laughs> sure. But, you know, uh, but I, was, I was happy to, uh, this year, uh, the family and I, I don't think I told you this, but we decided we didn't do anything. We didn't, I didn't have to go up in the attic and bring the decorations down or anything. We didn't do anything. We okay, had a, now uh, did
0: you feel like that was a gift to you that your family gave you? Because it sounds like it would have been for me.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, definitely a gift <laughs> for me, yeah. Um, <laughs> even though even though it, we still spent uh, the same amount of money we always do on our child for gifts.
0: Okay, sure. Uh,
1: it was a relief not have to go up in the attic and get, you know, fucking... You know, Christmas decorations, and because then and you just got to put it
0: away at the end yeah, of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's it's uh yeah, you could save yeah, yourself a whole lot of hassle, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it didn't have to get a tree or anything like that. Okay. And even though sometimes, if you're lucky, uh, you'll get a tree that'll smell really well for a long time. And, right. Uh, and so, anyway, listen, nation, get out there, order the Velo Bar. You know the drill. Go to VeloBarCBD.com make your order get 15% off with the troubled man 15 promo code and free shipping as always and it's good. And, and listen the new year is going to bring some new stuff from Velo Bar. i guarantee you it's going to be it's going to be crazy going nuts all nice. right i can't nice. tell you what it is right now but i know some things
2: okay. i know I like things it. Velo bar, not just for cyclists.
1: No, not. The, oh, no, 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 no. Rick. This is something that you and the wife uh, would it, love. Uh, it it is
0: for cyclists. The, the, the yeah, CEO is. is a cyclist. That's how he came up with the name. He's, nice. This is a cycling-centric uh,
2: product. No. I'm glad I brought it up. I <laughs> yeah, was yeah, going to yeah. ask. <laughs> but
1: we must tell the nation that the CEO, is uh, he, he rides a unicycle.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an okay. international racing circuit for All unicycles. Right. <laughs> there you go.
1: There you but go. it's a fabulous product. Check it out, Russ. I'm sure you'll love it. But, Renee, get to the our last bit, and then we'll get back to our guests.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. So, as always, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can support the podcast directly by jumping on that PayPal link in the show notes or the Facebook page. And, uh, you know, buy us a cocktail or, uh, you know, keep the uh, show on the road. Okay, well, back to our guest, Mr. Russ Broussard. So, Russ, so you're, you're in Terrence Simeon's band. We have to move through this somewhat quickly, but Terrence is a trip, man. It, it, at one time, he, uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. <laughs> I don't want to get into anybody's personal business, but Terrence is a psychedelic soul. So oh, yes. I guess maybe you and he were, were, were after all those mushroom uh, experiences in Winston-Salem, were, were uh, kindred spirits.
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I introduced him to it, unfortunately. I'm not saying that
0: proudly.
2: But it was better than what he was up to before, you know? So. Okay. I mean, we were, we were like yeah. punk Zydeco back then. It was, we were fucking wild men, you know, playing. Yeah. I mean, my first year with them, we played 310 dates. No shit. Like everywhere, everywhere in the world. It's a lot of just North America. Oh, and it's wow. like, a, just other than maybe, um, four of those dates, they were all one night stands, you know, you play and then you now drive. Russ, now Russ, let's me stop here.
1: Uh, you thought you played 310 dates, right?
2: <laughs> it was actually 83. <laughs> really only three. Yeah, yeah. Because what you were doing, you thought it was
1: 310 dates and you were all over the country. But basically, we were all over someone's living
2: room, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just listening to music. <laughs> yeah. Okay. no so how
0: how long do you play in that band for i
2: i think like two and a half years um he's still one of my dearest friends him and uh danny Williams danny was my roommate yeah
0: yeah yeah Terrence is a sweetheart man and, and uh, go ahead
2: yeah it says it was great experience um but it was it was a show you know and when you're playing that many shows uh there's we're not branching out much. We're we're doing a show kind of a thing. So it was,
0: sure, it, it's presentation. To me, uh, it's the same yeah. every night. Yeah, 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 you get good at it, and it's, it stays there. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, we're not rehearsing. You know, when we get home from a three month tour, we're not going to jump in the rehearsal. You know, mode right, for right. the seven days that we have off. So a
0: couple of years of that was was uh, was was enough. You wanted to move on.
2: Yeah, and. Yeah, because I, I knew I needed to. Um, I wanted more musical inspiration in in different in different ways. I didn't know what, um, and the Blue Runners came knocking, and, mm-hmm. and I was a fan of the band. I would sit in right. with them every chance I could. But um, so I went there, but it, it wasn't really a fit. I recorded an album with them, Chateau Chuck, um, okay, which is. Yeah, it was really fun and, and on that I, I like doing it. It was more it was more rock and roll. It's as if um, Clifton Chenier was in the Rolling Stones or something, you know? Right, right. Or, now or, now
0: Russ, Russ, I have to stop because i 'cause I've I've skipped over so much. Um the the way you play, that dancey feel that you play with um that that's why everybody loves to play with you is is that something did you get that from somewhere or that's just how you always played the kit
2: man i i don't know renee (laughs) (laughs) i guess any,
0: (laughs) any anybody that sees you play their first thing is god russ is just looks so happy and he makes me so happy watching him play and listening to him play. And when you really, it's 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 impossible not to watch you. If, you know, if you're playing in a band, I mean, if
2: uh, if it's it's strange to hear, uh, because I'm not doing, I'm not spinning sticks or anything. I'm not. I'm not. You know, showboating.
0: No, it lo- it just looks like you're like you're dancing behind the drum kit. In in other words, it's it looks like a not a not a contrived expression, but a natural and just very pure expression of joy behind the kit. So that's that
1: comes from hanging out with Terence all those years,
0: and, and maybe all the mushrooms in uh in, yeah. in Winston Salem.
2: I think it comes to you know when I was. Uh, the Continental Drifters. Uh, I was with them from I want to say ninety five or, or early ninety six, late ninety five, ninety six. Right, yeah. So we want to get
0: to that, so so okay. Let's go um, to there. Go ahead.
2: So the Blue Runners introduced me to like music being the most important thing. So like if okay. if it wasn't happening on stage. Um, Ark Moe would just he wasn't interested in doing the gig it was like and he would just stop yeah. and so Rob Savoy and I were, we we're like co-road managing and so it was like well this is going to be a drag to try and collect you know yeah, our right. guarantee for the so, night for
0: <laughs> John poor John, gentlemen I don't care whether you're loving this or not man I gotta get paid <laughs> we got exactly. more minutes we gotta cover here <laughs>
2: But, man, it it was – I don't knock him because it was like, man, that's what was most important to him. And I get it now. Uh, um, You know, but – so, and then the Condor Drifters, that was it. That was it. And, you know, my first gig with them, they sent me something like 80-something songs (laughs) <laughs> to learn 80 songs and I had like three days to freaking prepare and it was all on cassette tape you know and dats and all this other crap oh, and man. some rewinding and a, oh talk about and my my Achilles heel is uh names kind of like you manny like remembering freaking names when titles of songs they like sure. I, I just look at them and draw a blank and uh, <laughs> cross you know cross uh reference them constantly or, or confuse them uh, repeatedly and count off the right. wrong songs, um, the wrong tempos to different songs. That's
0: tough as a drummer. If you if they're expect, people are expecting you to count the tunes off and you just start playing with the band, I mean, oh, you just yeah. start hearing the songs three days ago.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, they also didn't have a problem with just stopping the song. And to my mortification, I was so embarrassed. But they weren't. And it was no big deal to them, and it was like, no, let's just get it right. We can't; it's too fast to sing the lyrics, so we'll just stop it and start it again. No worries,
0: workshop style. Those guys, yeah, uh, they they
2: they, there was no mention of it to me. It wasn't like I was that I didn't get an ugly look. Nothing nice. So it was like, okay, well, this is a new kind of schooling, and. Mm. In that band, the 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 majority of the time was like mystical experience, musical yeah. experiences, where there's another element that's happening. So there's six band members, but there's a it feels like there's another entity of some sort that's that we're playing with or right. that's playing us. And yes. whether it's the crowd, the room, the architecture, the building, it could be a number of, of things. But but the God. the little eye of little Russ Broussard, or, you know who I concoct this person to be, would disappear, and mm. and I'm just in this music experience. And I you know I could be the singer, I could be the guitarist, I could be the drummer, I could be the audience member, I could be the bartender. It doesn't matter. It I can't really tell the difference because I just feel like I'm riding a wave. I mean, it's deep and it feels. It sounds like a trip or something, but it's not. And there wasn't a flashback or anything. This is just right. No, like, no, I hear you. you man, know, is- um, as you say, you know, how did you put it, Renee? Is like you know, you move, get yourself out of the way to leave room for. Um, you
0: leave enough space for God to walk in the room. Is the way I, I, that's it's just. Different verbiage to describe the same kind of thing, where, you know, you're, you're not trying to contrive something; you're trying to allow something to happen uh, in the Amen. moment between between people, you know, and exactly. It, and exactly. it can it's such a precious little thing you know it can be crushed by just one person's ego who's gonna not take that approach and go oh okay well this is a good place for me to show off some licks i was working on back in my hotel room right (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean that can just melt that in or freeze it in one second but if you're in a group of people who are also like-minded it's it is fucking magical man and that's a band that that had started again back in, in, in LA and, and, you know, had all these strong, uh, you know, things going on and, and you kind of dropped into that, man. And, and.
2: Yeah. I was was blessed, blessed to, to be brought in. I was a fan and friend of Carlos beforehand. I mean, he was, he was giving me gigs with John Mooney every time the drifters would play. And then right. one day I was playing a gig with uh, Tony Green, and it was a wedding gig, and it was Mark Walton, the bass player with um, Continental Drifters. Right. And it was like this re- reunion, because how I met that band was we shared management, Monkey Hill Management, which then became Monkey Hill Records, which okay. exploded and uh, like imploded and every band yeah, that's you know, what I had, was to say right? Yeah, imploded. And uh we all had to fend for themselves and it was, you know, shrapnel everywhere and um Yeah, never could so, have seen that comment. Yeah, we lost touch with each other for a good year or two or three, I don't know. And then um but that was a reunion and I remember Tony having to just pull me away from conversations cuz I'm I'm hanging out with with all of them because <laughs> it was this reunion and Tony was like, we, you know, we really need to play. And they, you know, the host and the, 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 the bride and the groom were like, no, you just, y'all just play as a duo. We want to visit with Russ. <laughs> and, um, the very next, it was like three days later is when they called me and said, do you want, can you play this weekend? And uh, as a three day run in Mississippi, like Oxford and, um, uh, not Mississippi, Oxford, Ms. Memphis, and maybe Jackson. Nice, nice.
1: Is it true, Russ? Russ, excuse me. Is it yeah. true, Russ, uh, that uh, uh, Johnny Vodakovich, I think, said this? Uh, Drummers are the last to get laid because they have so much equipment to put away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'd agree with that. <laughs> even if they're the most sought out i sought after it doesn't it it wouldn't matter because we have to so much shit to pack up
0: right. <laughs> pack up the fucking kit man yeah, yeah.
2: Like the, the four months i was on the road with terrence as a rub boardist. you know i first started with him on rubboard. i took uh-huh. her old sally's place and i was on rubboard, and i was like um, having a a blast of a time, stage diving with tears. First guy out, right? First guy, man, just throw my spoons in my pocket. Throw the rubber yeah, out.
0: Look, Russ, you could have had a stellar career, you could have done nothing but carry those spoons and that rubboard, board, and like <laughs> you, know, you could have been. Like one of these guys in the Grand old Oprys, you know, has been here for 60 has done nothing but play rub board, but, but no, you, yeah. you had to play that drum kit.
1: It's like, it's like uh, a, a former guest Spider Stacy, right? He just had right. that little penny little, whistle. Uh, yeah. penny whistle. That's all I put it in his pocket, gig was
2: over, I'm gone. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got to envy him. Yeah. I was envying my past career, my first gig on drums with Terrence. You know, he, like, promoted me. It was the same pay and everything. But I remember that first gig, it was like I was so exhausted. I could barely lift my arms, and I have to break down this – Freaking kit, and back then I had a rack and three Tom Tom. You know, I was like, yeah, oh, wow. big kit. And I was like, oh yeah, that that fell away quick. <laughs> <got him> <laughs> well, so how, did, how did Terrence
0: How did Terrence know that you could play drums if he if you only played rubboard with him?
2: Oh, Terrence was getting into um, like the Neville Brothers and the Meters, uh, Lee Dorsey, and sure. and he wanted to start. Doing Iko and and the drummer in the band couldn't he couldn't play a second couldn't line play that he feel just, right he couldn't do it uh-huh. so um, so I started sitting in on that song and then it became two or three songs and eventually he just he said like, okay,
0: fuck yeah. man You this kid plays so good
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you're fired you get on drums and I was like yay <laughs> nice, oh, <man>. shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: shit oh shit look how that
2: feels what a fucking dancey feel that boy has holy moly yeah I was so, cursing cursing my my pining for the job you know <laughs> <laughs> right, even if right, it was right, just right. to myself it was in my own thoughts it was like uh, I was Wishing for it, you know. I'd rather be playing drums, you know. And as
0: well, soon as I on you
2: know, the, yeah, yeah, they're all waiting on really me because to load the trailer, and I'm still trying to break down my drums.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, so uh, so so forging ahead with your with your timeline here. So so you're in the Continental Drifters. You're, you wind up being in that band for what, like five years or something. You do a, a couple of studio records with the band, and, and the band is hugely successful in in, in, a, in a kind of underground indie sort of way. You you play all over uh, like a lot of German dates. You play a lot of U.S. dates, and uh, and uh, and uh, it's it's a magical time. Yeah, it's a super group. You have uh, you know all these people in it.
2: Yeah, completely. The,
0: the, but but, it, but it, it, uh, it it kind of runs its course.
1: So wait a minute, hold on a second. You, why do the Germans love you? Why is it? Just, <laughs> Renee said the Germans and the Americans. No one else liked you. It's,
2: it's the second largest music. You know, back in the day of the music buying public, you know, okay, that's all the right. second largest. Um, I,
0: th- I think you were signed to a German label over there, uh, so yeah, the played guys-
1: a lot in Germany, okay. I get it, all right. So yeah. we play it, it wasn't just Germany, but it, I just saw you were David Hasselhoff fans
2: or something. <laughs> no, we, we didn't speak yeah. German, I yeah. could, yeah. I could. I could ask for a cup of coffee and and a, or, or a half of ice and, and get myself to a bathroom. That's about it.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Might be all you need to do uh, well, anyway. So, so uh so at some point uh uh you and and uh and our former guest Susan Cowsell, um leave the band.
2: Yeah, um independently me first um Okay. It, it it was it was just i think it was um there was more stress than there was just too much internal stress and uh, and i it was i felt like i was um the brunt of it but it but it wasn't it wasn't just um about susan and i um but it, it just got too stressful and i was uh, i was Freelance, you know, we were on hiatus because uh, Vicky was starting to write again with the Bangles. And Vicky Peterson, was, yes, yeah.
0: So the band, there were yeah.
2: there were other things going on, and um, and then I, then I was getting busy again with freelance gigs. You know, um, you know, playing with. the You were in demand. You were in demand. People wanted you, right? Yeah, everybody wants a
0: piece of Russ. He's one of the sweetest boys ever. So,
2: and the drifters as as a is it's a family and it still is they still are my family i still you
0: guys are such hippies everybody's still friends that freaks me
2: out (laughs) (laughs) i'm
0: friends with all of my exes (laughs) i could tell you it's it's crazy i love it it's it's uh but but yeah holy (laughs) crap anyway
2: continue well, just because I loved them once doesn't mean it's like that love has to end. It just, it just. No, I, I agree. I, th- I think it, it's know?
0: wonderful. No, it's wonderful.
2: But yeah, and we've done reunions, and I look forward to every one of them because they're just magical. Sure. Um Right. But yeah, so that was that was pretty. Yeah. So it was. It's it just just the the time to do it. But you know, it was like. Right. Even though I quit, you know, it wasn't like you know, when it was time to do a reunion, it was obvious to all of us who, who the band is, you know, there's, there's an, there's, there's more than just the six drifters, you know, that were present when I was playing in the band that, that had a long history with Ray Ganesho and Colin and Yes. uh Daniel uh, uh, McGee. Um, right. So it just goes. And then mm-hmm. before, you know, be, even before that, it goes all the way back to um, Tom Malone. And
0: oh, yeah, so, if you're talking about the name. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a story the name. name, even before the, the, uh, right. the
2: actual uh, – So, um, but when it came time to re- do reunions, I was in the con- – it wasn't even part of a conversation. It was like the conversation involves that six – it was the longest tenured six. We were together. I was with the. It was more like eight years. Um, okay. And we recorded three records and a single, um, mm-hmm. which is the most prolific time of the Drifter career, and the busiest. We were we toured more and played more than any other uh, personnel. Um, yeah. So anyway, when it, when, when it was time to do talk of reunion, it was the six of us. And we have since played a reunion with like 10 or 11 of us, which is pretty fun. Yeah. But we've done, yeah. We've done like, I think, three or four reunion gigs with the six of us. Right. right. Um,
0: well, so, so, but, but just to, to, uh, to, to jump back on the timeline here. So, so you and Susan uh, uh, somehow wind up getting married. So this is crazy. Uh, and so <laughs> Fleetwood Mac <we get> married <laughs> and, 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 and then, uh, and, and so that's how you wind up playing in the cow sills. <laughs> You are a cow sills. <laughs>
2: right. Even before um, we married, I was, um, now they weren't playing much, you know, they hadn't right? played a gig in years and, um, okay. but they were asked to play this, this Rhode Island show. Um, and, and, you know, the, the,
0: America's sweethearts, the cow sills people. And, yeah. you know, for any of, the, of you out in the troubled nation that aren't familiar with the cow sills, you know, they were the, the, uh, The prototype that the, uh, the I mean. Just
1: YouTube them. Just YouTube them. You'll see all their songs and stuff. Yes, 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 yes.
2: Yeah, Susan was seven when she joined the band. Ed Sullivan.
0: There's Susan on Dean Martin's lap singing a duet with him.
2: Is that not so heavy? It's crazy.
0: What's crazy is Susan's presence man not only is she the exact same girl now as she was then but just how a uh, how much just self pre- that's what's the word self possession just confidence that she had at in, in that kind of uh context man it's,
1: and 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 dean martin was pissing the whole time
2: well you know he was, he was uh, she gloats on that. what a sweetheart he was compared to you know all the other laps she had to sit on
0: him right, yeah. right. <laughs> it's, know, it it's like, nice to hear about old dino man i, I like to think he's a wholesome guy man yeah you were saying they were just starting or they they had like a gig in rhode island that you were on one of those first yeah so like taste
2: of rhode island or something like that and mm-hmm. um they had played it many times so it was just like a one-off gig but um we go in a couple of days early and rehearse and so i start drumming and then soon after it um Katrina hits so Susan and i get married 2003 um and then Ka- Katrina hits and um Barry's missing so Bob and Susan are going on every talk show Radio show. Anyone that will have them to talk about Barry? Because one of the possibilities that was we were holding on to when he was missing, he was missing after Katrina for almost mm-hmm. five months, was mm-hmm. um, that he sort of checked out. You know, he schizophrenic. Right. Uh, um, you know, he's somewhere else, but he's still alive. Right. And so perhaps if. You know the nation is seeing this, and um, and he sees it, then you know our prayers will be answered, kind of a thing, right? Um, and then um, he wasn't his his body was found bottom of the Mississippi, and, and we got news of it early January after Katrina, so two thousand six, and wow, so. F- we did two funerals for him, one here in New Orleans and one in Rhode Island. Uh, we did a second line funeral for him that ended up at the Kerry Irish Pub, which is was his home base. Okay. Um. And when we, so the Calcells played at both of those, and then it became like, well, we've been seeing each other so much, and Bob was Bob didn't want it to end. Yeah. Um, so doors started to open, so, you know, it's like we, the invitation was opened, like, you know, he said those words and then all of a sudden someone's knocking on the door going, hey, what do y'all think about playing this, um, like a review and it would, it'd be called the original idols, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it would be you guys and, um, you know, the Bay City Rollers. And, okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw in, in a long list of people that you played with the Bay City Rollers. So that's how they show up just mm-hmm. in, in one of these review type things. Okay. Go exactly. Ahead. Go ahead. All
2: right. Yeah. Rex Smith, um, yeah. Greg Brady. <laughs> crazy, <man. laughs> Greg Brady but, yeah. Well,
1: I remember, I remember seeing the Bay City Rollers for the first time in the seventies on the Howard Cosell Variety Show. Holy cow. Remember Howard Cosell had his own I'm variety? Perfect. Yeah. No, really hey, remember that yeah. yeah, exactly. Straight <laughs> from England. From England. From <laughs> across the pond. No. Comes a band. Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Scotland. <laughs> and got, they're wearing plaid. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: wow yeah yeah. well that sounds like a fun tour though it was and so it just kept going Like one thing led to another and and then we got an agent
0: you guys have been on since then you guys have been on so many of those kind of like the the past bunch of years you've been on the Happy Together tour which is like run by the Turtles I guess who I love the Turtles are one of the coolest bands ever Um, indeed uh, uh, Again, Flo and Eddie, you know, they they played with Zappa, you know, they played with uh, T-Rex, you know, on and on and on. Um, So those guys are both still around, and and, and you go on those tours. Now, that's got to be a a wild scene on those tours, huh? I mean, it's – Well,
2: when I go on the tours, it's strictly to visit Susan in between tours that I'm doing freelancing because they – that tour the happy together tour has their own band backing band
0: okay they have an in-house band so you go out with john um, grow
2: yeah so john uh, i got busy with john grow and um the i remember the first couple of years i was yeah yeah, yeah. i was was (laughs) flying and johnny sanson so i was i was like yes you, Tag you you've teaming covered a in, lot
0: of our of our uh, of our podcast guests. You've spent a lot of time with them more than we have. So
2: <laughs> for sure, <laughs> at least a dozen of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like those those the first two tours with Susan um, gone. It was so strange because we'd been working together and living together in, at home or on the road since like 2002, 2001, somewhere around there. Um, right. And then if you count the Drifters, before we were a couple, we were like sister, you know, brother, sister. Uh, right, in the, right. In that sense, but in that sample, a band sense. Um, sure. So I already had the fights and knew how to um, figure that the out.
0: Negotiations, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. sure. Um, long before – we were a couple before I even considered that. I mean, it went right you know. but when both of our marriages were falling apart and all that, it was like, well, all of a sudden it was this like aha moment. Of, uh, like one of my best friends is like, all of a sudden looked really cute to me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So sweet. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's, you know, a sh- short shift, how that happened. Um, right, right. So, and,
0: so, so, so when she went out on, on, on these, this tour, it was uh, the first time y'all had been apart in a long time. Correct. So, uh, uh, correct. Yeah, right. Right. Now moving on. Um, uh, Cause we have just a couple more minutes to cover a, a, a couple of other things. The covered in vinyl series that you've done all of those with Susan, you and Susan, um, yeah, you've you've done like what two hundred
2: records? Is that uh, not that many? But I, I don't I don't know. Um, I would I was gonna say two
0: thousand. and You could say that's <laughs> true too. You know, it's, it doesn't it's just, <laughs> I know we're
2: as well environment.
0: I mean, I say, yeah,
2: yeah, How many great albums are there? <laughs> well, we I think it's definitely over a hundred. Um, well, it's
0: I, I, I listen to the same ten over and over, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so you've done over 100 covered in vinyl records, which is, which is uh, to anyone who doesn't know, uh, Susan and Russ put together a, a ragtag band of, uh, of A-listers and, uh, and, and hammer out a classic record in two rehearsals or a rehearsal and a half. And uh, I've started doing a few of them, and i got to say, uh, I'm thrilled five weeks out. I'm concerned three weeks out. I'm starting to get <laughs> terrified two weeks out. Um, I'm actually uh, anxiety racked by, by on day eight. You <laughs> <And laughs> poor thing! I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, at the end of that first rehearsal, you realize this is all going to work out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then the performances are nothing. Why we only do one, one and a half, two rehearsals is because we want it to be played in the moment. We don't want it to be exact, you know? Yeah. Well, it's
0: it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, by the seat of your pants, which I love playing like that. No, it's, it's, it's very energized. Uh,
2: Yes. And so it's very real. And so it ends up sounding more like, the band that is playing on the stage you know right, um right. and it, so it can it can take the left turns and stuff you know even if it's by accident or you know by someone you know playing a wrong chord well that wrong chord could be the right chord to take us somewhere you know so right.
0: it's 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 going to be a moment it's it's going to be a, moment, gonna be a moment everybody's going to witness well, it and uh we're going to move on from there <laughs> Exactly.
1: <laughs> well well, Russ uh, before we, we're getting ready to sign off soon. Yep, yep. Uh, I'm looking at your resume and, and you've played with like, I mean everybody uh, locally and internationally, nationally and John Mooney, Sonny Landry, Don Dixon uh, Lucinda Williams the Psycho Sisters uh, <laughs> which I'm interested about but I mean uh, there's always uh, a certain artist that you're interested in, you know like and there's people named Madonna, or Selena, or Cher, or Prince, and you you played with someone named Rodriguez. Yes. Now, tell us about Rodriguez.
2: He's
0: Pitbull's cousin.
2: <laughs> so, have you ever seen the um, the documentary Searching for Sugarman? Yes, no. Sugarman. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So he is uh, Sixto Rodriguez was his name. Okay. All Um, right. But
1: in your your bio, he only goes by Rodriguez here. Correct. So I'm curious, is he like Madonna or Cher or, uh, uh, you know,
2: uh, Prince?
0: (laughs) A bit. He he is enigmatic, correct? Yeah, he's
2: definitely enigmatic. Um, And... uh, You'd be fascinated by the documentary. Check it out, Manny. Um, What's it called? Searching for Sugar Man. Um, it's available on so is, so is this Yeah, the, the, that's my pimp name. You know that, Rodriguez?
1: I, yes. No, Sugar Man. Sugar Man. Okay.
3: That
2: makes sense. That makes a lot of. Sense. <laughs> See, I love playing with him because it was like. He didn't even know what song he was going to be playing. He would just start strumming and as like, what's, what freaking song is this? And we would just have to play. And, um, you know, the bassist had the hardest chair in the band. It was a three piece band. So. It's not a place to a lot of place to hide, you know. Right, he's got to guess no. what
0: where he's going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, one hundred percent of the time. That's crazy, man. I had, I mean, I saw that name. It, it just went right by my eyes. But uh, you played, you, God, man. You you're you're another one of those Zelig's of rock and roll. Well. Clearly, Manny, we've just scratched the surface of this list of artists because <laughs> I see Leif Garrett is on this list too. That's the one that I was going to bring up, and I don't know. We clearly don't have time to get to all these.
2: He, I, I loved him. He's like he a
0: loved Leif Garrett. Really? Yeah,
2: I mean, he was it's like he him. was so nice. I,
0: the, I knew Lace. I knew I met. I knew
1: Lace back in in, in LA. L.A. Oh
2: yeah,
1: yeah, back in L.A. Yeah, uh, I, you know, we we hung around this kind of the same circles for maybe a week or two because that's okay. where the drugs were going. Right. right. Know, that,
2: that kind of stuff. Yeah, he definitely um, had those battles.
1: Yeah, he had those battles. Yeah. He, he he seemed like a good enough guy. He would always show up and go, hey, and then disappear.
2: You know I mean? <laughs> we- that was Susan, I instantly recognized him as like, um, he's kind of the same cloth as Barry Calso. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. I didn't know Barry, but I I know of Barry. But uh, yeah, I I guess. Yeah. But listen, before we get going towards the end here, I just want to say, I told this to your wife when she was on the show. She's got to write a book. She has to write a book. She has to write a book. Not about now, not about 10 years ago, not about 20 years ago but about those early years that she's got so many young Hollywood stories that would blow people's minds away.
2: I agree. I really
1: think so. I really do. I mean, I'm talking, I mean, flea just put out a book, uh, a friend of mine, flea from the chili peppers. He put out a book last year, only talking about his youth in LA, not about his celebrity in LA, but his youth in LA, and it's brilliant. It really is good. Nice. Okay. So I think Sue. I told her this, and she said, "No, no, 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 no." But talk her into it. Talk about those times with Dean Martin. Talk about those times, you know, uh, hanging out with the Brady Bunch. Yes. That would be brilliant. Read. It would That's be gold. such a brilliant read. Yeah, it's cool, <laughs> cool stuff. And people like us who grew up in that era would buy it up. Would eat it up in a second. I agree. She's got to write that. She's got to write it. Tell her. Tell her. Manny says, "Do it, or I'm going to slit my wrist right now." No, no, no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, does,
2: does she like yeah. you, Manny? <laughs>
0: uh, I, think, I think I think Susan likes Manny. Yeah, yeah. I think she's kind of uh, like this to Manny.
1: We all learned this a long time ago, Renee. I told women dig me. Yeah, it's yeah, the men that don't like me. Men Chick, stick, like
0: Manny me. Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they it's, do. They it's, do. It's, it's just it's a, it's a fact. It's a fact. It's,
1: it's a fact. Well, known. all right. Well, listen, I gotta pee like the Cooley Dam. So, right. uh, Russ, it's been a pleasure, and I think Renee, this is a, a part two, maybe for our two hundredth show. You know, whatever.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, anyway,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, It was a pleasure. It's my pleasure uh, having you on, and and you you're so hilarious. Uh, and uh, we'd like to say always, what do we say, Rene? Uh, unless Let's you want say, to say something uh, else.
0: No, no, no. Uh, in the Trouble Nation, we always say uh, trouble never ends.
1: But, Russ, the struggle continues. Good night.
2: <laughs> Good night, y'all. <yeah. laughs> Good night.
1: Waiting for what you believe should surely come your
3: <laughs> way. <laughs> and hoping that the road ahead will turn a golden day. to